Hey everyone, welcome to the Happy Flosser podcast. My name is Billy Lunt. I am your host, and I am here to talk to you about all things dental hygiene to support you on your journey through the dental hygiene program. Welcome, so glad to have you. Hey everyone, in this episode, we're going to cover the basics about dental sealants, sealant placement, what you need to be prepared to uh, place a great sealant, how you make the determination on which teeth are appropriate to seal, what the research says about sealant materials and their effectiveness, and then we'll go over the main types of sealant materials so that you understand the core differences between them so you can make that judgment on what are the differences so that I know which ones work best for my patients. You're all going to experience placing sealants on your patients before you graduate. And then when you get out in the field, you'll have all that you need to be entry level in placing sealants. And it's just like everything else, the more you do it, the more effective you become. But also know that materials are continuing to evolve. So understanding the basics of the sealant materials that are now at our disposal will really help you as you build on that over time. And things just keep evolving and getting better and more effective at arresting and preventing carious lesions for our patients in those posterior teeth. So it's a great time. Uh, and prevention is kind of the core of what we do. So that's what this episode's about. Are you looking for study sheets? I've created study sheets that cover the content of this episode. If you're interested or that's something that's going to help you on your learning journey, you can click the link listed right in the description of the show notes. Happy studying. In your career as a dental hygienist, you are going to be placing dental sealants. And that's an exciting component of dentistry because sealants are preventive in nature and they're painless, right? And, and they're accessible for all of our patients. So it's a win-win all the way across the board to place sealants because they're non-invasive and it's a really powerful uh, procedure that you can do as a dental hygienist to make a big difference in the future of the dentition of your patients. Because we know that about 90% of all of those posterior teeth that have an occlusal table will eventually develop a carious lesion. And we're talking mostly about the permanent dentition, but the primary dentition is pretty significant too. I think it's about 45% for the primary dentition. So to me, all hands on deck uh, for placing sealants. And they prevent about 80% of the decay that takes place in the posterior so they have been proven to be very effective at arresting or preventing the decay. Now, how do we determine which teeth to seal? You want to make sure that you have a non-cavitated lesion. So what is a cavitated lesion? It's basically a break in the occlusal surface. So if there's a break in the occlusal surface and there's a, a lesion that goes into or impedes on the dentin, you may have to use a different material or a different strategy, perhaps an ITR using SDF or placing a smart restoration instead. But when we're talking about a non-cavitated lesion, you can place a sealant. You're using your explorer to gently remove the plaque and check for breaks in the occlusal surface. 
You're going to evaluate for either smoothness or roughness and assess uh, if there's already been a sealant placed there. And if there is a sealant in the occlusal surface, what's the integrity of that sealant? Is it still intact or does there need to be some retreatment? These are the questions you're going to be doing when you're assessing your patient for the need for a sealant. Now there's two main types of sealants. There's resin types and glass ionomer types of sealants. And we're going to go over both of those different types of sealant materials. Starting with your tray setup, your armamentarium. So how are you going to best prepare yourself when you're seeing a patient and you know that you're going to be doing sealants on them? Or more likely, the more common situation is you see a patient and through the process of care in your assessment, determine that they need sealants and now you're going to add that into what you're doing today. So when you're setting up for sealants, you're going to need a mirror and explorer, right? Those are your given uh, instruments of choice. You'll need cotton rolls, dry angles, and a saliva ejector so that you can ensure a moisture-free environment. You are going to use those for isolations and dryness. You'll also need an air water syringe so that you're able to rinse off the etch and dry off the teeth accordingly. You'll need the sealant material, obviously, and the etch. And based on what you're using for material, you'll need a curing light, but you're also going to want to prepare yourself with a slow speed handpiece, a finishing burr, and articulating paper. Just in case you get a little overzealous and put a little too much sealant material in that occlusal surface and you impede on the occlusion. So you just want to be prepared for that. It's very common when you're first placing sealants to be a little uh, ambitious and less is more. You only need to fill in the deepest part of the occlusal surface. But I think when we're first starting out, we tend to put a little too much material in the occlusal surface and that's okay. We'll just adjust that. So the two different types are resin based sealants and glass ionomer cement sealants. So let's just go over the basic differences between those. The resin-based sealant cures with a light, and it's hydrophobic, meaning it's very technique-sensitive to moisture. Any kind of saliva contamination will lead to failure, and the acid can contribute to microleakage under the sealant over time and lead to failure as well. It's also important to keep in mind that fluoride is not able to be released from the resin because it's chemically inert. All right, those are the basics on the resin-based materials. Let's go over the glass ionomer cement sealant. It auto cures, so there's no light needed. It's hydrophilic, which means that it's moisture tolerant. You're going to use a surface conditioner prior to application. And the fluoride that's contained within the glass ionomer cement is released after polymerization and continues to be released for up to eight years. Wow. And where's it being released? It's being released right where we want it to be released, right in the deepest components of the occlusal table. Now there's a chemical reaction between the polyacrylic acid, the liquid, and the silicon oxide, aluminum oxide, and calcium fluoride, the powder. When you're placing the glass ionomer cement, you're going to adapt it to the tooth with a damp cotton tip applicator, or you're going to do what's called a finger press. Now there's resin modified glass ionomer sealant materials as well. They do not remineralize tooth structure as well as the glass ionomer cement. They can be light cured 
but they wear a little bit more than a glass ion or cement. It's also important for you to keep in mind that materials, new materials continue to come out. And so you wanna keep abreast with all of the changes in preventive dentistry that are going on so that you're using exactly what is the best treatment needs for your patient. So let's go over the process of these two different main materials. So when you're placing sealant using a resin-based material, I want you to just keep in mind you wanna treat one quadrant at a time. When you're doing a resin-based material, you're going to clean the surface off with a toothbrush. Don't use any cleaning agents that contain fluoride or glycerin. And you want to check with an explorer after you rinse, after you've thoroughly cleaned the surface. You're going to isolate the tooth. Now, a rubber dam is ideal, but most people use cotton rolls, dry angles, or some kind of isolation system. And all of those work well with practice. <laughs> You're going to etch the surface for approximately 20 seconds. Avoid contact with skin because this can cause an irritation. And if you do get etch on the skin, be sure to let your patient know so that they can watch for that. You're going to rinse and dry to remove the etch and avoid any saliva contamination. If you do get saliva on the occlusal table after you've etched and dried, you need to re-etch. When you dry off the tooth, you're going to check and see that it's chalky white. That lets you know that the tooth is properly etched. Now an optional step is to apply a bonding agent. And when you place the bonding agent, you're going to cure it. The bonding agent is just used to increase the likelihood that the sealant will be retained. You're then going to apply the sealant material, place it only in the deepest pits and fissures, too much material can interfere with that occlusal function, as I said. You're going to cure and evaluate. Use your Explorer to check for flaws. Think about it as like using your Explorer and skating across the glassy surface. Use your articulating paper to check the bite. And remember, you're only treating one quadrant at a time so that you can properly check the occlusion. When you're doing a glass ionomer sealant, you're going to clean the surface using plain pumice and rinse with water for about 20 seconds. Apply a 20% polyacrylic cavity conditioner for 10 seconds using a micro brush. Rinse off the conditioner with water, gently suction and dry off the tooth. Now, with the glass ionomer cement, it comes in a capsule, unlike the resin-based material. So it's a little bit different. You're going to tap the capsule on the side to loosen up the glass particles. Activate the capsule by depressing the colored plunger against the countertop. And I'll hold it down for about two seconds. Mix the capsule in an agitator for 10 seconds and place it in the applicator gun. You're going to click it two to three times to move the material to the tip of the capsule. It kind of works in a similar fashion as your Oracix applicator gun. Quickly apply the material to the tooth and adapt it to the tooth using a damp cotton tip applicator or a damp micro brush, depending on your patient. It's important for you to know that you don't want to manipulate the material beyond its working time. Don't keep playing with it. Allow the material to auto cure. And this takes about two and a half minutes. Don't allow the patient to bite down until the material is set. 
And there's some follow-up instructions that you want to provide your patient. Instruct the patient to have a soft diet for about 48 hours. And one other thing I can just add, when you're placing sealants, it's important to place a fluoride varnish after you place your sealants. This gives you any protection and kind of remineralizes areas if you got any etch anywhere. And it's just a nice process to do following placement of sealants. Now, I know I say this all the time, but you want to make sure that you document your procedure and your process in your clinical notes. Be sure that you note the materials that you used and any important information regarding conversations you had with your patient, follow-up treatment that you recommended, and any kind of considerations that you discussed with your patient. Speaking of considerations, what are the considerations? And these are just conversations that patients have brought up. Will my sealant be retained? Well, you want to clean it with the toothbrush first to increase retention rates. And if moisture control is a challenge for your patient, the use of an assistant improves those retention rates. That's what the research tells us. It's important for you to know that etch removes approximately 10 microns of enamel. So you want to make sure that your patient, if they ask you questions, you can do a comparison for them. Let them know that polishing removes about four microns of tooth structure. So that gives you a conversation to have with them. And the saliva, once the saliva touches the tooth structure that's been exposed with etch, the remineralization process uh, picks up right away. Is it okay to seal an incipient lesion? Now the caries process is inhibited when a sealant is applied to an incipient lesion. A lot of studies show that sealing a non-cavitated lesion reduces caries progression. Sealing a cavitated lesion is at the discretion of the dentist. Now what if the sealant falls out? Generally speaking, properly placed sealants do not fall out. Maintaining a dry field for a resin-based sealant or consider using a glass ionomer cement if your patient is someone where moisture control is challenging. Research shows that remnants of sealants are still beneficial. We always have the option to reseal the tooth. So I don't see any harm in that preventive move. Now, is it necessary to remove tooth structure prior to placement? And I've been in this field long enough to see this evolution. This technique isn't necessary prior to sealant placement. Non-carious lesions do not need the removal of tooth structure. Carious lesions can be arrested using sealant material without the removal of carious tissue first. And there's been a huge pendulum swing in this area where people would do what's called an enamelplasty and seal, or they'd use air abrasion before sealants. And um, none of this research has panned out as necessary. Now, keep in mind one of the other things. This is probably a really commonly asked question by patients is will the etch portion of the unsealed tooth surface be at a higher risk for caries? Now, the pellicle formation over the area will begin the remineralization process right away. But that's also another reason why I like to do a fluoride treatment after I do a sealant treatment to a patient to really help reassure that and make myself feel better about that process as well. It's all about educating your patient on their risk and the prevention needs. The fact that sealants are pretty straightforward to do, pretty cost effective, 
And the research shows that they do achieve the desired goal that we're looking for. To me, it makes perfect sense to go ahead and try doing sealants on your patients. If it's a posterior tooth with an occlusal surface and grooves, it's fair game for decay, and it's also fair game for a sealant. So there, you don't really have a lot to lose in placing sealants. Some of the research does indicate that we're still way low on getting some of those posterior teeth sealed for various reasons. So I implore you to educate not only your children in your dental chair, but your adults that have occlusal surfaces that need sealants because we're living longer, our diets have evolved, a lot of patients are at a higher risk, even if they have an occlusal surface that hasn't had the risk of decay, or maybe they're at a moderate caries risk, don't go based on their age. A lot of us think of sealants as something you do in childhood, but there's a lot of adults out there that could really benefit from the application of sealants. So I implore you to charge ahead with that and increase the knowledge and understanding for our patients to know what their risks are and know what their options are. And I assure you, the more you do sealants, just like anything else, the better you'll get at it. So keep going. I would invite you to send me any questions that you need answered. Questions come up when you listen to this podcast. I have a link in the show notes, and I'd be happy to answer any questions that you have. Also, I would appreciate a review if you have time to leave one. Thank you so much.